Our God is with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. In the beginning, there was the Word. The Word was in God's presence, and the Word was God. The Word was present to God from the beginning. Through the Word, all things came into being. And apart from the Word, nothing came into being that has come into being. In the Word was life. And that life was humanity's light. A light that shines in the darkness. A light the darkness has never overtaken. The Word was coming into the world, was in the world, and though the world was made through the Word, the world didn't recognize it. Though the Word came to its own realm, the Word's own people didn't accept it. Yet any who did accept the Word, who believed in that name, were empowered to become children of God. Children not of natural descent, nor urge of flesh, nor human will, but born of God. And the Word became flesh, and stayed for a little while among us. We saw the Word's glory, the favor and position a parent gives an only child, filled with grace, filled with truth. The good news. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this will be a shorter sermon than you're used to getting from me. How's that for a Christmas gift? (laughs) You know, we often hear God called the ground of being a description attributed to the 20th century theologian and mystic Paul Tillich, but his religious ancestors had similar names for the divine. St. Thomas Aquinas, for example, said that God is pure existence. I was telling a friend recently that I don't think of God as a being. Instead, to me, God is being itself. God is called Holy Wisdom in the Scriptures. And in today's Gospel, God is Logos, the Word, that was present at the very beginning and had no beginning itself. Sometimes I imagine God as an energy, a force, the glue that binds the universe together in an unbreakable unity, a mysterious power that holds electrons in their orbits around an atom's nucleus, and does the same for planets in the billions of galaxies that make up all there is. Maybe God is the Big Bang, the original fireball that started the swirling of matter that still expands billions of light years into space. Some suggest that God is the most real of all of reality, 
The one, says St. Paul, in whom, or in which, we live and move and have our being. God is the ultimate existence that transcends space and time, yet is experienced in both. God is the unmoved mover, the uncreated creator, revealed, as Einstein said, in the harmony of what exists. Doesn't all that just fill your heart with joy on this Christmas morning? (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) Trying to make our language stretch to capture the mystery of the divine may be a fascinating exercise, a poetic activity for theology students. It may be a fun bit of mental gymnastics. It might even be a little inspiring. But it's a long way from entering into today's good news. Richard Rohr wrote that in Jesus, God gave us a human heart with which we could love. He goes on to say, while God can be described as a moral force, as consciousness, as high vibrational energy, (laughs) the truth is we don't fall in love with abstractions. So God became a person that we could hear, see with our eyes, look at, and touch with our hands. He was quoting the first, the beginning of the first letter of John there. You can't fall in love with an abstraction. And the heart is built to fall in love. It needs to be in love. All the highfalutin language, all the metaphors and similes and analogies, all the abstractions about the divine ultimately just leave us unsatisfied. So I turn again to the first letter of John, in which the author plainly says, God is love. But you know, even that is an abstraction without someone, a person, to embody it. Someone we can see, hear, and touch. Someone who lights up the imagination and makes us want to be more fully alive. Without that, it's just an abstraction. To quote Richard Rohr again, Love, God incarnate, always begins with particulars. This dog, this (laughs) woman, this Moses, this Virgin Mary, this Jesus of Nazareth, this guy I live with. (laughs) It is the individual, he wrote, the individual and the concrete that opens the heart space to an I-thou encounter. Without it, there is no true devotion or faith, but only argumentative theories. At Christmas, we let go of all those theories and just focus on one particular individual and concrete embodiment of divine love, Jesus, in whom God is made visible. But you know, we who are his body make God visible as well. A story from nearly 50 years ago, during my years at the monastery, 
The Abbey Church had a lovely side structure called the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. It was where the leftover consecrated wafers from our masses were stored in a tabernacle. I loved to go there and kneel and meditate on Jesus' Eucharistic presence. It comforted me. There was a side door to the chapel that led out to our parking lot, making it easy for the public to stop in and pray as well. One evening when I was, I think, 26, maybe 25, I went to that special sacred place in deep, and I mean deep, distress. I honestly don't remember specifically what I was so upset about it. It might have had something to do with the fact that I was living with a lot of men, some of whom were every bit as neurotic and immature as I sometimes was. <laughs> yes, there was a number of relatively healthy, well-adjusted, good men at the Abbey whom I admired and respected. But some were alcoholics. Some were obsessive-compulsive. Some were homophobes. Some were bitter and cynical and clinging to a God who shames and punishes, who condemns us for our mistakes and rules by fear. One or more of these troubled men must have said or done something truly horrible that threw me into a frightening and ugly sadness. I needed to be with my Jesus. I knelt and sobbed heavily. Suddenly, in mid-sob, Michael, who was on his way home from work, walked in from the parking lot. Michael was a, a layman, a really sweet and kind guy who occasionally attended our, our public masses, and he became a dear friend. Now, he hardly said a word, but he walked over to my kneeler, knelt down beside me, and threw his arm around me and just held me. Michael knew my Abbey community was sometimes very hard to love, so no in-depth discussion of the issues was necessary. His wordless comfort was just what I needed. He stayed with me until I was finally able to pull myself together, and he slipped out the door and drove away leaving me in the quiet, holy darkness with just a sanctuary lamp, a reminder that Eucharistic Jesus was there. I wanted Jesus to be beside me to comfort me. And that's exactly what he did. I needed him to not be just consecrated bread, not just a nice esoteric theological principle, but really with me, in the flesh. And he was. Michael, of course, is the name of an angel. And angels are thought of as messengers of God. <clears throat> My friend Michael was certainly that for me. But more importantly, he was an individual and concrete flesh and blood embodiment of divine love, a member of the body of Christ. And Christ 
Kathy told us last week, has no hands or feet but ours. No arms to throw around a troubled guy but ours. Good news this Christmas is that it is not an abstraction whose birthday we celebrate today. We can't be in love with an abstraction, as Richard Rohr reminded us. Christmas is about more than some cosmic mystery beyond words. The good news is that Jesus is born again every time I reach out in love. Every time I choose to be his body. The body of Christ says, Amen. Amen. Maybe you can tell us about a personal experience you had with the Incarnation. So please share your thoughts.